Okay, so I know that before we go any further, I need to address a question that comes up in people's minds. And if you haven't faced it, you may very well face it before this is all over with. Um, it may not have come up in your own mind, but you might have heard somebody else bring it up. And oftentimes, it's somebody you think might hold the same view as you because they're a Christian or because they say they're a Christian. And then when you find out they don't, then you are confused, troubled, perplexed, and wonder sometimes if you have the right view. So let me just point out to you that this most recent upheaval, this eruption of warfare in Israel and the Middle East, it's not a simple thing to explain when it comes to all the nuances, all the various angles from which one can view it. And so I'm going to help you with some perspective today because without any doubt, we are for what God is for. We're for what the God of Israel is for. And Yahweh Elohim, who came to the earth as Yeshua HaMashiach, he was the God of Israel. All the pagan nations of the Old Testament day recognized that they had a God, Israel had a God, and that was the God that they had. Now, they had other gods. The pagans did, of course. And then one of the problems with Israel is they kept being seduced and succumbing to idol worship and the worship of pagan gods. So I want to start out by giving you a little bit of perspective. First of all, the nation of Israel has about 8 million people. And the size geographically is about the size of the state of New Jersey. That's the state I most often hear uh, compared to Israel geographically in size. So 8 million people. Of those 8 million people, I don't know all the demographics or all the statistics. But I'm going to give you a general idea. And just by saying that many, if not most, of the ethnic Jews are not Christians, and many, if not most, of them are not even religious. Many, I would not say most because I don't know, are atheist or agnostic. They are certainly secular. So let's get that straight. Christians, Christian Jews, Messianic Jews, are a minority in Israel. Okay. There are other religious groups in Judaism, like the Hasidic Jews, the conservative Jews, Orthodox Jews, the Reformed Jews, that you could stop and talk about what distinguishes those groups. Okay, Just like in the days of Jesus, there were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Herodians, the Zealots, and so forth. And then, of course, the new way was called um, the Nazarenes, or eventually they were called Christians first at Antioch after Jesus uh, rose again and ascended to the Father. So let's understand that when people are not Christians, even if they are Christians, but 
as human beings, but especially when they're not Christians, especially when they're secular, especially when they have other ideologies or philosophies, corruption can be something that's pervasive. And corruption is something that Israel has had to deal with, you might say, before Israel was called Israel. Let's look at Jacob, Jacob and Esau. Let's look at the altercation between Jacob and Esau. And remember, Jacob's name meant surplanter. And his name was changed to Israel, one who prevailed with God, because of his persistence in that night, that wrestling match he had that night, wanting to know God's name and getting the blessing of Abraham and Isaac. In a nutshell, that was pretty simple, but you get it. But as the nation of Israel evolved, it went through the judges, one judge right after the other. Read the book of Judges. The judges were saviors, military saviors, that would come in and save sometimes a portion of the land and peoples of Israel and uh, their escapades and their uh, victories and so forth, and even their defeats are outlined in the book of Judges. So one judge would come in, they'd have revival, they'd get the victory over the enemy, and the people would live right for a while, and then they lapsed back into sin. And that went around and around and over and over again until finally we come to the kings, okay? The kings. Then you had Saul, David, and Solomon, and then the splitting of the kingdom into the north and south, so the northern ten tribes, the southern two tribes, which included Judah and Benjamin, and the Levites were sprinkled throughout uh, the uh, geography of Israel, and so on. We could talk about the details of this, but each nation, Samaria or Ephraim, it was called different things, but Israel to be a little clearer and for us to, for the sake of our conversation, and Judah. So now Israel was Israel and Judah, the north and the south. They all had their own kings. And they each, each of these two nations that were one and will again be one before it's all over with, and, and is one right now, you could argue, had their own kings. And uh, the kings were not righteous for the most part. Judah had some righteous kings. Israel did not. Most of Judah's were not. And the trajectory of the kings, the chronicles of the kings, was basically up and down, but overall downward until finally the north goes to Assyria in captivity and the south into Babylon. Okay, so let's look at a couple of passages in Jeremiah that bear this out and help you understand that even today with what I described as the demographics in general of Israel, there's lots of corruption in the politics, there's corruption in the military, there's corruption in the society, they just recently, and part of the problem perhaps of why this has occurred is because of the LGBTQ, uh, the woke, let's just say the woke, because that encompasses more than just LGBTQ, uh, PIA uh, ideologies, the protests and the rallies and the parades and, and the politics of all that. This wokeness has become a pervasive part of secular Israel and has... Uh, 
And I could get into the nuances of some of the religious persuasions and how there is some darkness intertwined there. And I'm not talking here about the Messianic uh, Jews. I'm talking about some of the other things that we could get into. But that's not the point. The point is, this is an imperfect secular nation. It's not a theology, a theocracy rather, right now. There's no, this is not a theocracy where everybody worships Yahweh Elohim. Um, it is a group of ethnic people from a lineage that has gathered back and began to have their own families and their own descendants. And eventually, they are going to turn as a nation to the Messiah upon his second coming. In the meantime, they're still looking for the Messiah. They're still looking for the Messiah. So that's why the Antichrist will present himself as a Messiah and deceive many, if not most of them, for a time. So I'm kind of giving you a broad sweeping brush of history and a little bit of eschatology to let you know that Israel is not a perfect nation. So some of the decisions made or not made that brought this particular altercation into a war situation were not always righteous decisions. And all the decisions made would not necessarily be righteous decisions. And so this is where people start to try to parse it. You know, they, they don't even go back and give you the biblical history that I just kind of laid out for you. They don't describe it and articulate it in the manner in which I've set it forth. Instead, they want to give a fault. Dif different uh, degrees of blame, blaming uh, certain groups of people in, in, in more recent history, like the past century or so. And uh, then using that to justify either not taking a side or saying we should take the side in the plight of the Palestinians, which that's a whole other topic because the Palestinians, we could talk about where that name come from, who this group of people are, but let's just back away from that for a moment. We'll get to that at some point in one of these episodes. But what about this? A lot of people don't understand you can be Arab ethnically and not a Muslim religiously. You can be a Muslim religiously and not an Arab because the Iranians are Muslims, but they are not Arabs. And of course, there's different branches of Islam. So there's all these complexities and people try to, you know, get involved emotionally to the point that they can't uh, distinguish between right and wrong, good and evil, no matter which side perpetrates it or gets involved in it or cooperates or facilitates it. And that's something we've got to be very cautious of as Holy Ghost-filled Christians. But let me read this passage I was going to read, and, and I got caught up in talking, and I'm trying to keep these things to approximately 15 minutes. So I've only got about four minutes to read these scriptures. But in Jeremiah's book, chapter 29, um, Jeremiah says in verse 10, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon... I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place, Jerusalem. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, and this is a memory verse is quoted and often used for other reasons. Sometimes it's wrongly applied, but 
For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So they're in Babylon, going to Babylon for 70 years. It's God's will they go there because they've been disobedient. But he doesn't want them to stay there after 70 years. He wants to bring them out. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. So God says, you know, I caused this to happen. You know, you can say it was the devil. You could say it was Nebuchadnezzar. You could, you could get the hierarchy of culpable players in the plot and plan, but ultimately, because of your disobedience, I cause this to happen as a punitive measure and yet as a redemptive measure because I plan to bring you back. And he did. So we could go into the details of that, but he did bring them back. But, you know, read chapter 29, and then you can go over into verse, or chapter 30, rather, Let's see here, 30, Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble. So Jacob was the son of Isaac's, you know, whose name was changed to Israel, from whom came the 12 sons, or the, eventually the 12 tribes of the nation. So basically, Jeremiah prophesies about Babylon captivity, post-Babylon captivity, and on into the future, the time of the end. And he talks about a time called the time of Jacob's trouble. And a lot of people are seeing what, they, what Jesus called the birth pains of it now. See? The birth pains of it now. Because out of it is going to be born a revival for Israel. Read Revelation 7, and you'll see the part or the 12 tribes, and then you'll see the part of the multitudes of Gentiles. So you see, you'll see both groups of people, Jews and Gentiles in Revelation 7. But here God says that, and we see just a glimpse of how that Israel has had many troubles through the years because of disobedience. And then they were scattered again. Okay, I'm going to have to bring this to an end. I see I'm approaching 15 minutes. But they were scattered again. After the first century uh, of the 20, 20th century, they were scattered again into all nations. And recently in the uh, 20th century, what did I say? In the first century, they were scattered again until the 20th century, beginning some in the 19th century, but mainly the 20th century. They began to gather back into the land with, and they commingled with the other peoples that were in the land at the time. Okay, so it wasn't until 1948 that they actually became a nation again, a nation state, uh, you might say in some ways like equal to other nation states across the planet. So I said all that to say this, and I'm going to have to quit for now, and I'll try to tie up any loose ends later, that just because Israel does it doesn't make it right, but it doesn't necessarily make it wrong. And we cannot, we cannot side with 
a religious militant ideological group that beheads people, rapes women, murders and mutilates and slaughters and massacres people indiscriminately on purpose, randomly, and that are innocent. In other words, it wasn't self-defense. It was just a demonically driven infraction and invasion. Okay. That doesn't make all the Palestinians that. That's just this particular group of militants. But it's not just a handful of people. It's, it's quite large, seemingly. And these demonic powers that perpetrate and promote this are sprinkled throughout um, Islam and throughout the Arabic nations and other nations that subscribe to Islam. So uh, <laughs> we could talk about what Muhammad actually believed and what the Quran actually says, but, but I'm just trying to find a place to stop here and say that we can be for Israel and we can be for innocence on both sides and we can be for God's plan without necessarily implying in any way that we are for injustices of any kind toward anybody that is innocent. And I know that requires explanation, but that's all I'm going to give you for now. We're at 17 minutes and a half. Father, in Jesus' name, you said, He that watches over Israel neither slumbers or sleeps. And we know you've gathered this people in the land, even though they're unaware of it, many of them, not most, for your second coming, which is around the corner, and for that great revival when the nation as a whole will turn to you. Not all ethnic Jews will be saved. Certainly not all Gentiles will be saved. But whoever comes by way of the cross and the Messiah and the blood will be saved. Jesus of Nazareth, thank you for giving your life for us. I pray that you'd awaken many, many more Jewish people and Gentile people. And we thank you for groups like the friends we have that have a Christian uh, Arab and Christian Russian Jews and, and Christian American Jews, Christian Israeli Jews and Arab uh, participants in it because they believe in the one Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the prophetic will come to pass and we believe that you will stand up for the nation not because they deserve it in all cases, not because they're righteous, but because you're carrying out, bringing forth your plan. And all the players that are involved, good, bad, and ugly, we are going to understand some of it. So just help us to be sure and keep our balance and our perspective correct. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.